Welcome to the Education Futures Podcast. I'm John Moravec. And I'm Kelly Moravec. So Kelly, what did you bring? Okay, I brought I brought an article that comes out of Ohio. And um, there's this idea that uh, Governor John Kasich has about teachers doing an externship or, or a job shadow at a local business as one of the requirements to be able to renew their teaching licenses. And on my social media streams, there's been a lot of pushback on this, a lot of, a lot of thoughts by my teacher colleagues and peers uh, about what they think about this. So I brought that for us to discuss today. All right. Well, tell me about it. Well, what are your first impressions of just what I said? All right. Well, you just gave the headline. So, you know, uh, the idea of job shadowing by te- by teachers, and this is uh, to acquaint them with the modern workforce. So it's operating the assumption that teachers don't know what's happening outside of schools. I think it's more along the lines of that, that what's needed in the modern workforce has changed and that businesses are wanting to be able to hire graduates and the, those that they're hiring don't necessarily have the skills that they need to be successful in their businesses. And so the thought was that if teachers were, were better acquainted with what's happening in local business, then they might be able to provide some of those skills to their students while they're still in our public school system. All right. I thought this was something that the standards movement was supposed to address, that we're meeting all these standards and uh, or even common core standards. We're supposed to align uh, modern business realities or modern uh, labor realities. Why is there a sudden tension now on the teacher? Whereas the teachers were supposed to teach to these standards. Now, why are they duly responsible for teaching to the standards and knowing the businesses that they're supposed to do? That's a good question. I don't have the answer for that. so kelly what's your take well i think i'm not going to make very many friends with my thought on this but i i don't see it as a bad thing i think you know as teachers every five years we're required to take different classes and and do different activities and and show that we're still continuing to to learn and and grow as professionals and this is just one opportunity for those teachers in Ohio uh, to earn those hours. It's not mandatory and it's not necessarily appropriate for all teachers. Um, in the article, it talks about you know the idea that a science teacher, a secondary science teacher, may have some sort of industry experience and that would you know c- connect. The teacher and then and then the students with someone out in the field in the community in the business area that could help better explain some of the concepts and topics and ideas within that discipline. Um, however, a kindergarten teacher maybe wouldn't find someone out in the community or out in the business sector that would make sense um, for him or her to to job shadow. But I think for some content areas and some subjects. It makes a lot of sense to be building connections with your local community and your local business leaders and bringing them into your schools as a way to partner and provide your students with access to things that maybe you just as an individual teacher don't necessarily have access to on your own. You know, my take is that it's an interesting idea. And I'm not sure if it's something that should be legislated, though. I think that's something that could be encouraged on teachers uh, but I think it's something that should be very voluntary, completely voluntary, because every community is different. 
Uh, we live in a city of what, two and a half, three million people ourselves. And there are many different businesses to partner with, to connect with, to learn from. But if you go up to smaller communities, you don't quite have that. You have maybe maybe one major employer in the town and everybody's familiar with it. Everybody knows what they're doing and everybody feeds in the town and there's already some strong integrations with the schools. Um, I think that's harder to, to justify. And then you run the risk. Well, okay, if you're a kindergarten teacher or a primary school teacher, or I suppose at any level though, we're tasked with preparing kids for future jobs and not these. And so if we're connecting with just one key employer or a select few that represent today, but not the future, I think that's really risky. But what if it extended beyond just your local community? What if you as a teacher or you as a school or as a district were connecting with businesses and 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 people outside of your small rural community and providing opportunities for kids who maybe don't have the, the means to travel outside of that community to connect with leaders in fields of their interest or, or at least to explore their own curiosities outside of their small community, outside of what they could provide within their family or for themselves. And I think that's a brilliant idea, um, especially from my perspective, coming from international education. I'm thinking like really globally, how do we get teachers more globally engaged and globally connected? But I doubt that was the focus of, um, of the law that's being proposed. Well, of course it's not. The, I think the purpose of the, the law that's being proposed, or the idea, it's, I don't think it's a law, um, the idea that's being proposed is to show teachers how much harder business people work than, than what they do. I, think, I mean, I think it's, it's meant to be something like a slap in the face to teachers, and, and that's what's being reflected, in, at least in my social media streams, with all of the teachers up in arms about this idea. I don't think we can necessarily dismiss the idea just because the conception of it was ill-intended, but rather we should look at, look at the foundation of the idea itself, which really is building bridges between our local schools and our communities and our businesses, and, and bringing those together. And, and as we've talked many, many times, we need to have all of those voices at the table. We need the students and the parents and the teachers and administrators and community members and business leaders and everyone to be coming together to engage in these conversations about building positive education futures for all students. And this, to me, seems like a good way to start something like that. And maybe we don't leave it as an externship just for teachers as an option for renewing their licenses, but we also open up our school doors to our local businesses and our community members, not just for partnerships where those businesses provide funds for activities and, and, and things for our schools, but where the businesses come in and have and play a, a role, an active part in what we're doing with kids. Well, let's just call it what it is. It's a slap in the face. And I think there are some really good programs out there or options already out there for teachers to connect with the communities that, that we serve in. And I think that maybe we could focus on highlighting these a bit more. Okay, but they're not. So we have opportunities out there. We have maybe a handful of individual teachers that might be connecting with people outside of the school for opportunities like this, but that's not widespread, and I don't think it's a practice that everyone would necessarily know or, or even think about. So how do we 
how do we get that conversation going then? Who leads that conversation? You. Me. (laughs) (laughs) That would be a mistake. Us. (laughs) (laughs) But I don't think anyone would disagree that it's a conversation that needs to be had. If, If local businesses are saying, hey, we need workers that have these kinds of skills and we're not finding them, that you're not the the students that are leaving the schools don't have the skills that we need to do these jobs and i understand that we want to be focusing on the jobs of the future but i i'm going to go out on, on a limb and and guess that probably the students aren't leaving our public schools with those skills either to be successful in jobs that we can't imagine yet and as you mentioned before if we're really focusing on hitting all of the standards in the common core those really don't have much of those soft skills embedded within and within them. And so, you know, yes, the 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 common core was backmapped with the purpose of having students be college and career ready. But if we have businesses saying these are the skills that we need at least right now in this moment, how do we get the conversation going? How do we how do we make it so that the, the, the business people and the community members are coming together with our administrators, with our policymakers, with our teachers, and talking about the things that kids need to know and understand and be able to do by the time they're finished with their education. And I think that another thing that may emerge is that, and you mentioned soft skills, and which are critical, um, but really related to that is the idea that you know, within schools, we really can't measure um, in education. We really can't measure what a person knows. We, I mean, we, we can measure some things, but we're really measuring information, not so much knowledge. In the workforce, it changes a bit, though, because when you have a job, you have to do a job. We can measure whether you know what you need to do to perform that task. And somewhere between 85 and 94% of what we learn um, in, in the workforce is done informally. That is, it's not done through formal instruction. And I think it'd be very interesting to see um, and to learn from these approaches to informal learning and see how that could inform our uh, teaching practices within schools as well. I think the difference is the focus of schools at this point is to deliver knowledge that someone has decided is is important for, for our students to have by the time they leave. And in the workforce, the knowledge that you are taking it upon yourself to learn is vital to whatever your role is within that job. So we have students that are going through our K-12 programs that are diligently or sometimes not learning what is taught at them because they may need to know it one day as opposed to people that are learning invisibly, learning informally on the job are doing so because it's vital to the role and the tasks that they have. So how do we bridge that gap? How do we make it so that what our kids are learning at school is something that's that's vital to the to their roles and and their tasks? Okay, so the bottom line. Is this legislation that's worth considering? I think as it says in the article, it's an option. And I don't see why that shouldn't be a valid option as one way for a teacher who's interested to be able to earn credit 
toward their relicensure. Hey, uh, another story um, within the past few days about our new Secretary of Education, Betsy DeVos. <laughs> what did she do that's got people up in arms? Well, she visited a school and it tweeted that, you know, that she met some great teachers and they were fantastic, but that they all seemed to be in receive mode. And her thoughts were that to really do the right thing for kids, teachers need to be empowered to do what individual kids need. And that can't necessarily happen if they're just in this mode where they're waiting to be told what to do. How did teachers around the nation take that? Um, similarly to the other article that I brought in, teachers were up in arms. Um, teachers were uh, frustrated and angry that someone who has never been in the field, has never been a teacher, really has no experience with with teaching and with schools, public schools, um, would would dare to say such things and felt that it was a slap in the face to teachers who do work really hard to do good things for kids. I had a little bit of a different take that's probably not going to be very popular, but I agree with the statement that teachers need to be empowered to do what's right for all individual kids. And I also agree to some extent that many teachers are in receive mode because that's the reality of being a teacher. As teachers, we are not respected as professionals. And we, at least in the United States, don't have the autonomy to do what we think is right for individual students. We're bound by standards, we're bound by policies, we're bound by laws, uh, we're bound by age and grade levels, we're bound by an eight to three o'clock schedule. Um, there are lots of boundaries that teachers have to work within that they have no control over. And we've been told from the beginning that students in this grade need to know XYZ by the time they're done with that grade and they take standardized tests so that we can see how well we as teachers did in imparting that knowledge to them. And, you know, in this profession, we're told what we have to teach, when we have to teach it, how we have to teach it. And students are told what they have to learn, how they have to learn it, and how they have to prove that they've learned it. And we're all surprised at the end of the year when standardized test scores come in and not all kids learn the same thing at the same time in the same ways at the same age. And I think, you know, the problem right now is that as teachers, we're so used to being told what we have to do and then shutting our doors and trying to do what we think is right and what we think is best for our kids within those constraints um, that with this new administration, we maybe are somewhat in a receive mode because we don't know what else to do. 
And getting back to the other point she made was that teachers do need to be empowered to do what they think is right and what they think is best for each individual child. But that can't happen until we are empowered to do so. We can't have that power and the autonomy within the current structures that are forced upon us. So while I do agree with that statement that teachers do need to be empowered um, and that many may seemingly be in receive mode, uh, we need to do away with the structures that we're currently under to move out of receive mode and um, feel empowered to have the autonomy to do as professionals what we think and know is best for our kids. And I'm for sure uh, not Betsy DeVos's biggest fan. Right, um, <laughs> following my Twitter feed and uh, during the whole uh, confirmation um, hearing the, the the weeks of uh, that uh, throughout through the confirmations, I was really you know having people calling their senators and just say no, no, no. But I think that that what the statement that she tweeted is uh, perfectly fine, and I think it relates back to an earlier podcast that we had. We asked the question, are teachers professionals? And it's a tough question because, well, our initial reactions go, well, of course teachers are professionals. But really, do we treat them like professionals? Do we treat ourselves like professionals right? for those of us in the teaching field? Um, and that's that's kind of a, a big deal because everything is driven from the top down and professionals you know, they, they develop, they move around different career pathways, they develop their own personal knowledge and expertise, but the whole system is structured, as he said, to operate from the top down, and there isn't much um, much room or space to really, truly be a professional. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I may not be the new secretary's biggest fan, but I really hope that this opens a possibility or opens some doors of possibility for us to really approach teaching and teachers in a new way where teachers um, be regarded more as professionals, uh, top down by the government, but also be afforded opportunities to develop themselves professionally. I agree. Uh, although I, I need to say, I don't think that Betsy DeVos's point um, was that she or or our government or even our administrators were going to be empowering teachers. I think she meant uh, that teachers should empower themselves uh, to do what they think is best for kids or what's right right by kids. Um, but I think that's nearly an impossible task with those structures that are currently in place in our public education system. So MindShift posted something on Facebook the other day that I found really interesting, and it's focused on um, leaders. And it's it's just a graphic. It says five spaces leaders need to design and nurture. And it suggests that a leader is a designer of spaces or a social architect. It says uh, the five spaces include space for employee voice, informal organization, personal space, space for professional and personal development, and then collective space. So they're really looking at opportunities for leaders to speak up and contribute, to develop this culture of informal conversation, to develop a culture of um, space to think and reflect, 
to do more training, coaching, mentoring, and stretching people's skills and imagination, and then to work creatively and experiment with ideas, uh, looking at prototyping of possibilities, you know, really, really stretching your mind. And this really struck me as what our schools should be doing. Instead of our current classroom situations where students file in and sit at desks and a teacher is doing whatever they're doing to impart the knowledge that they have for, for the for the standard of the day, um, that we really need to be cultivating these spaces for our students and we need to be cultivate, cultivating these spaces for our teachers as leaders within the building. So if you can think now in terms of what a classroom or a school might look like with these five spaces, again, space for employee voices, so allowing students to have a voice at the table for decision-making, allowing teachers to have a voice at the table, equal voices, informal organization, so opportunities to have informal conversations with one another, student to student, student to teacher, where the students and the teachers are on an equal playing field, uh, space, uh, personal space, so time to think and reflect built right in, so opportunities for students to really think about what they're learning, what they've learned, opportunities for teachers to think, to have space to reflect on their day, to reflect on what they're going to be doing pre-flecting, Space for professional and personal development. So again, identifying what it is that you're good at, what it is that you're interested in, and then working with someone who is more of a coach or mentor to stretch your imagination, to stretch your skills, to stretch your thoughts in ways that can allow you to be creative. And then collective space. So opportunities to work with other people, experimenting with ideas and, and thinking about the possibilities that, that our future holds. Opportunities for students, opportunities for teachers, opportunities between and among them. I think if we could reimagine what our classrooms and what our schools might look like today, starting with this graphic, five spaces leaders need to design and nurture is a good spot to begin. And we'll share that graphic of education futures, or if we can't get the permission for it, we'll at least uh, share a link to that Facebook post. Thank you. Yep. Now that you've listened to this episode, why not earn an hour of continuing professional education? After all, you've already done half the work. Just go to educationfutures.com learn and sign up for the Moodle course that corresponds with this episode. After you post your thoughts in response to the questions we have for you in the sound off forum, you can download your certificate of completion. It's free and it's our gift to you for listening and supporting us. Again, visit educationfutures.com learn to earn your free continuing professional education credit. At Education Futures, we provide research, workshops, and advising for schools, governments, and other organizations that want to change the world for the better. We believe that education and our approaches to human development need both an innovation and revolution. We look at the big picture from a systems perspective, and we question, what are we educating for? What does a global citizen of the 21st century or even 22nd century look like? And we start looking hard at these questions, we realize that we need to focus on how to learn not what to learn. And this refocusing on the how requires us to develop more meaningful ecologies of solutions. We are ambitious. We want to transform schools into vibrant, visionary, hard-charging, front-running, and value-creating centers of excellence that everybody will be proud to attend, work for, and collaborate with. We practice what we preach. We advocate for open dialogue and networking, and we share everything we've learned openly to the greatest extent possible. And we try to have fun as well when we engage communities of educators in our workshops and research. 
To learn more, visit us at educationfutures.com. You can also write to us at info at educationfutures.com. This episode of the Education Futures podcast is made possible through the support of our wonderful listeners, and especially the folks who write us, provide feedback, insights, and ideas for future episodes. We recently heard from Alex, a band director at a middle school near Austin, Texas. Alex is a fourth-year teacher and has seen many college friends and coworkers leave the field of teaching for a variety of reasons. And I think that's pretty similar to what John and I have seen having been in this field for nearly 20 years. One of the things in this email, though, really caught my attention. Alex writes, This pressure on schoolwork and loads of homework every night is having students pull all-nighters, quit marching band, quit sports, etc., just to focus on school and grades, whatever that means. It's disheartening because they don't have a life and other skills. The kids don't enjoy learning. The goal is a number, a GPA, so that they can be successful in college. But that doesn't last long. They have no soft skills, are not well-rounded, and end up hating school, and thus, learning altogether. Oh, boy. That, for me, really tugs at my heartstrings because it's all about learning. And to think that we as teachers in this profession are doing things to kids that are causing them to not enjoy learning, um, causing them to just focus on a number, on a grade, to, to get to the next step, and they're really not enjoying themselves, um, that's a really tough place to be in. Alex is doing research on burnout and among band directors, and it's going to be very interesting to hear these stories as they emerge in the upcoming years. We love that Alex contacted us. Because when we say we want to involve and include people in the conversation, we really mean it. Keeping conversations about the future of education going depends on you. We would love for you to share your stories, thoughts, opinions, and ideas for use in upcoming podcasts. Please email me at kelly at educationfutures.com and visit us at educationfutures.com to engage in the discussion on evolving learning and the future of education. You can also find us on Twitter. John is at Moravec and I'm at Kelly Kalorn. You can learn more about the series at educationfutures.com slash podcast. If you'd like to chat with us on social media, you can find us on Twitter at edfutures and on Facebook at educationfutures. Thanks for listening. I'm Kelly Kalorn Moravec. No, thanks. For- <laughs> Just thanks for listening. Okay. Thanks for listening. Do it together. No, that's stupid. No, I'm not doing it. Thanks, Thanks for, for listening. listening. <laughs> <laughs>